Our series in Romans will continue on today's edition of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Join us. The groans that precede glory. Hello and welcome to today's edition of Truth For Today, the radio broadcast from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. We welcome you to our broadcast and would invite you to join us if your scriptures are handy. We're in the book of Romans today, chapter 8. We'll be keying in on verses 17 through 27. It's there that we catch up with our teacher and pastor today with this edition of Truth For Today. Here now, once again, is Pastor Phil Howard. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. And now he's going to develop this theme of glory, that part of our salvation is glory. You're not completely saved yet. Did you know that? You are not completely saved. You absolutely are not. Uh, You're only two-thirds saved at the most. So there's a whole lot of saving God has yet to do with all of us. So you're you're about uh, one and a half saved. That doesn't bother any of you because you don't know what that means. Say, I'm not sure I'm even saved, and you may not be. But when you think of it, and he's going to develop this, we are not completely saved right now. Watch what he says. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Now notice verse 18, revealed. 19, revealed. We're waiting. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. What hope? The hope that our body would be redeemed. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. 
Watching the interview a few nights back of Stephen Curtis Chapman and his family on the Larry King program and having a family explain how they get through having the loss of a five-year-old daughter that they adopted and when one of their sons backed out in the driveway and ran over that girl and killed her and uh, they, of course, the questions are how does your Christianity explain this? How does your Christianity accept this? Uh, do you question God? Uh, how, how can you make sense of this? And I thought the family did an astounding job of representing Christ and saying we can't explain every tragedy, but we trust God. Greg Laurie just did... Uh, was at, at the funeral of his 33-year-old son, and I talked to one of the pastors who said he told the church, it's not what I would choose, but I could trust the one who chose it. I would not have taken him, but I could trust the God who did. And so you find as we come here to this chapter, he says something that we don't want to hear, really, and that is there's suffering before glory. There's a cross before the crown, and that when you talk about all of Romans 8, I'm not condemned, I have been given the Spirit, my mind is on the things of the Spirit, not the flesh, on and on. And then he says something that just we don't want to hear today because we grew up on prosperity gospel. He said, there's suffering connected in the present life that you will suffer in identification with Christ and in your own humanity. There are sufferings now while God's working out his salvation, and there's something to come yet that we hope for that has yet to be revealed that will change our bodies, that will permanentize glory and freedom from suffering. It's as though it were Sometimes we live in Gethsemane awaiting the resurrection morn. Just as Christ, our great leader, an example did. Suffering precedes it. But he says there's three kinds of groaning that are going on in our present experience. We're living in the midst of a groaning creation. We're living in the midst of groaning Christians. And we have a groaning comforter called the Spirit. And we want to look at these three groanings in the present tense and what's going on. First of all, he says, creation is groaning. Verse 22, we know the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. That's graphic. That's some strong groaning. And uh, this groaning, it helps give you a handle on what the groaning means. It doesn't mean necessarily verbalized. It's an unutterable groan. It's not uttered, either by the Spirit nor the Christian. It's kind of the groan of, ah, I can't believe it. It's the groaning of great pain. And he says, creation at this present time it has been in a groan. That is an amazing. Why? Why? Notice what he says. It's waiting in verse 19 uh, for the sons of God, that is you and I, to be revealed. 
There's a whole lot of God's kids that have never been revealed to the world. They're in prisons. They're in hospitals. uh, They're in poverty. They're in all kinds of circumstances, and nobody in their mind would guess who they are. And it said, creation knows that in this theater of God, that the true children of God have a day of complete revelation of who they belong to and who they are. And even creation is kind of standing on tiptoes, waiting, waiting, and longing for the day that happens. But it says, in the meantime, creation's been subjected to frustration. That's a very interesting word. Its purpose for which it was designed uh, has been frustrated by man's fall. Did you know what God never intended to make thorns? God never did intend to have lions that eat up other... He never did plan to entertain us men on National Geographic with the lions... Uh, and the crocodiles eating the water buffalo. Carolyn said, if you see that one more time, you're gross to watch all that stuff. It is unreal to see uh, the carnivorous nature of animals and these lines that are so beautiful. Creation has been affected when Adam and Eve sinned. God cursed the ground, changed the environment, And you would not believe it. Did you know the earth as we see it now is not as God created it? Uh, You ought to take a little trip from here and drive over to Las Vegas and tell me what that desert looks like. It looks like desolation. Did God create deserts? Not originally. Did God create carnivorous animals? Not originally. Did God create snakes with venom? Not originally. You can get all the Greenpeace movement you want. And uh, I think you should not waste resources. I don't think you should kill animals that, uh, just to kill them. Uh, I don't think we ought to be putting uh, toxics in our water. And in other words, we ought to be good stewards of the earth. We really should. And we've devastated it in so many ways. We're the, we're the main culprit. Garbage. and Just think of how many years you folks drove cars and you could throw it out the window. Do you remember, I remember a time there was no law against that. Just throw it out the window. Trash, garbage. That's all bad, bad stewardship. But did you know that the earth is in the condition it's in now? Because it's the aftermath of a universal flood that devastated the earth. Uh, We didn't have the North Pole and South Pole at creation. It came about after the flood. We probably didn't have deserts till after the flood. The flood devastated the earth, rearranged the earth. I've got some family over in Kauai, and they're talking about after some of those hurricanes blew through, they lost certain plants that had been native to Kauai for years. The, the waste when you go through cataclysmic change. Go up to Mount St. Helen, where that uh, mountain blew up, and that volcanic ash just devastated that valley, rearranged. The earth has been turned upside down by the flood that came about because of the wickedness of man. And he's saying all of creation knows it's not as God originally designed and it's frustrated. There's a frustration in it. 
I love the quote by Godet who said, creation in verse 21 and 22, notice, creation is going to be liberated from the bondage to decay. And we know it's groaning to be set free. And he says, it's as though creation, and this is how he describes it. Nature, with its melancholy charm, resembles a bride who at the very moment when she was fully attired for marriage, saw the bridegroom to whom she was united die on the very day fixed for the marriage. She still stands with her fresh crown and her bridal dress, but her eyes are full of tears because she saw at the dawn of creation and in the garden, the couple sin and God turned everything upside down. This is not the way it was meant to be. And so you live in a creation order that's living under the curse that man brought on the earth. And so it's beautiful in so many parts, but you have seen nothing yet. And this creation is just waiting, waiting for the day that God's going to completely reveal who his people are to spirit beings, to all of creation. And then at that same time, creation is going to be restored as God originally intended. By the way, there is no thing in anywhere, uh, this is going to be hard, such as uh, Mother Nature. Mother had nothing to do with nature. This is Father Nature. God created nature. See, we got folks that can be tied in a tree in Berkeley for a year because that tree's more precious than their plant. Our folks that won't ever move a seal from Pier 39 because they're precious. Wherever they land, they ought to be able to stay. At the same time, they might be for abortion. Because we got things turned upside down in which we're worshiping the creation, worshiping trees, worshiping animals, lifting them up on a scale of value far above an unborn baby and just really campaign for that. Don't go zonkers over the earth. God's going to be the one that does the main renovation. And he'll restore it as he attended. Mother Nature will have nothing to do about it. God, we are not Mother Nature worshipers. We worship the Creator God, and we call him Father. See, so don't. I'm glad I'm not at Berkeley right now. They'd be escorting me out of town. Uh, it is so wonderful to preach the word 20 miles uh, away from a liberal thinking and 20 miles from San Francisco to get to still preach the word of God. Newsom's not running God, and someday he'll find out God's got it right, and he doesn't have it right. He needs to acknowledge God's way, God's power. He needs God's perspective, but he doesn't have it yet. Thank God we get to preach what God says what God says. Now notice what he says here. This creation is groaning and any woman that's had a baby knows that uh, uh, the description is powerful enough. It's a painful groan that creation's going through. But watch, not only so, verse 23, not only so, 
But we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, we too live with a groan in anticipation. And we're groaning inwardly. Many have debated what is this groaning, and even they'll take it to the Spirit. We'll look at that later. This groan is, the word is not to even speak. It's a groan, it's not a word. It's a deep sigh. It's a deep longing. And what is the child of God longing for? He's just longing for adoption. Now, he's already said we're adopted in God's family. But the key word here is, I want it to be revealed who I belong to. Verse 18 and 19, we're waiting for the revelation of it. I belong to God. I'm in God's family. But think of this first century church, incarcerated. No liberty many times to meet above ground. The emperor is called Lord. You had to burn incense to the emperor. Christians met in catacombs. Christians were on the run, fleeing for the life. And the rest of the earth says there are a bunch of migrants. There are a bunch of misfits. They're a, a cult. They're, they're, they're just a bunch of no names. Kill them. Get rid of them. And these true children of God, in their spirit, have this groan. Someday it will be revealed who I am and who I belong to. And there's this groan in them. And when that happens, my body will be completely unloosed from all the effects of the fall. Aging process, health issues, bad sight, bad teeth, bad hearing, decaying body, death. But on the day that God manifests completely who you are, you'll stand in a resurrected or a glorified body, redeemed completely. You see, that's that part of your salvation you haven't gotten yet. You've been justified by faith in the past. God is working on you to get you to live holy in the present. But that third installment is coming. The third installment where he will glorify you, transform your body, and it will be perfect because you'll have nothing to do with it. It will just happen to you. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, boom, you'll be changed. And your body will be freed. No more pain. No more hospitals. No more funeral arrangements, nothing attached to this present age of death, decay, and things are not as they ought to be. That's why the word frustration back here was the main word used in Ecclesiastes. All is is vanity. All seems aimless. It seems like chasing the wind. It is hard to figure out life under the sun and Uh, Solomon is really writing as a philosopher. Life without a divine perspective is an aimless uh, chasing the wind. And so he says here, we long and groan for the day that we're manifested. I love this. used to have a fellow come to this church that uh, 
he was working out at Chevron Refinery and uh, was working at the Coke plant. And they were breaking off the Coke in there, very dangerous. And, uh, you know, soot all over the face, dirty, but a believer. And uh, one day he was out there working with a bunch of guys. And he says, oh, just to thank my father owns this whole place. Another worker said, your father, what? He said, my father owns this place. He said, well, if he owns it, why are you out here working? He said, well, you just don't know. He said, see, I belong to God. He owns everything. He owns all of creation. And that guy said, well, man, you're making the same wage I make. You're no big deal. You wait until you see my brand new home. You wait until you see my brand new body. You wait till God's through with me. You wait till the final installment comes in. There will be no mistake about who I belong to. And so we're waiting for that final manifestation. And he said, we're longing for it, longing. And in this, what does God give you to make your present journey to get you through? Two things, two H's. He gives you hope and he gives you help. Those are the two things you need. He gives us hope. And notice what he says there. For in this hope, we were saved. What do you mean, what hope? That God would complete it, that we would be delivered from every aspect of sin in hope we were believed that God would show us off to be his sons. We were saved in the hope that there will be ultimate glory with God, that we would be with God. Glory is coming. Glory is coming. And we were saved in that hope that it would get better, that things would be different, that this is not how it ends in this life and a nice funeral and they go back to the church and have potato, you know, salad and a little bit of meat and it's all over and he was a nice guy. No, that's not the end. That's not the end. The end is God manifesting us in a redeemed body to all of creation. This was my kid. And they've been living in hope all of their Christian life of the day they would see me and the day they would be changed. We will. We will be. This is uh, wonderful. And then he says, not only do we have this hope so that we wait patiently for this next installment, in the same way, and I take this, in the same way that hope has been helping us and sustaining us, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit helps us in a, it is a beautiful word, soon anti labano, two prepositions and a verb. Soon with, anti instead of, labano to carry. The word meant to come alongside and bear a burden. And he says, God, in this present part of our journey, has given us the Holy Spirit to help us. Someone to help carry the load. Truth for today, that we might live in truth tomorrow. Thank you for joining us. Our teacher and pastor has been Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. And on today's broadcast of Truth for Today, we've spent time here in God's Word that we might grow in His grace. 
If you'd like to review today's message, copies are available on CD for just $5. Mention today's date when you call 510-799-3171. 510-799-3171. You're welcome to visit our website. We have resource materials there at our online store, as well as information about us, who we are, what we believe, worship opportunities, and events here at the church valleybible.org is the website. Again, valleybible.org. And would you drop us an email? Let us know you paid us a visit. That would mean a great deal to us. Also, it encourages us when you call or write to us and let us know how the program encourages you in your walk and relationship with Christ. Please don't take for granted for a moment the significance of correspondence with us. It really does matter, and it really does make a difference when you contact us and let us know how the program encourages you. Questions, comments, prayer requests, we'd love to hear from you. Our desire is for you to grow in Christ, that we might be mutually encouraged in his grace. So again, the phone number is 510-799-3171. That's 510-799-3171. And the web address is valleybible.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We're just off Highway 4, the church with the three crosses on the hill, about a quarter of a mile from the Highway 4 I-80 junction. You can't miss us. Directions can be had when you call us, again, 510-799-3171, or by visiting our website, valleybible.org. We thank you for joining us today, and until next time, God bless. God bless.